Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation. All the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of Cha Dao. This will be the focus of this podcast, developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine, Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. Also, you're welcome to come to our center, Tea Sage Hut, here in Miali, Taiwan, and sit a 10-day course where we incorporate all these aspects from the linear to the brewing tea to the spiritual cultivation all together, and you can take a deep dive and immerse yourself and ground yourself in this beautiful practice. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, and let's drink some tea together. Hello there, and welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm Janos. We are pleased to welcome to the podcast our tea brother, the multi-talented Samson Swanick. Samson is here to serve a course, and with his optimistic spirit and humor, has made the atmosphere here at the Tea Sage Hut very lighthearted. So we wanted to take this opportunity to sit down with Samson and pick his brain about everything from his positive orientation towards life and challenges, the endless jokes to tea and life lessons in general. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Samson. Uh, thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be here. Samson, you engage in everything from magic to music to aquaponics to endless jokes and puns and, of course, a life of tea. Do you feel as though your positivity has been cultivated from these outlets or that your positivity has influenced you to confidently practice each one? Um, I suppose the answer to that question is uh, the second half. Um, in my meditation and spiritual practice, it has allowed me clarity on what would bring my heart joy. Hmm. And I use my heart and then those, uh, my emotional guidance system, right, to, to point me in the direction of what I find most um, enjoyable or I'm more, most curious about, mm -hmm. right? It's my energy is, is pulling me there. Um, there's a old, where was it? It was a Tom Brown Jr. book, The Tracker, I read a long time ago. And it was talking about how um, in that tradition of shamanism that uh, you should stalk your passions. Mm. And so I kind of took that to heart, if you will, uh, then to listen to my heart and say, hey, this is like really fascinating or really interesting. Go in that direction. And then so I use that excitement and that joy to uncover and um, discover uh, really amazing things. Mm. And so what that has done is made it really fascinating and very unique i guess and definitely very uh, uh eccentric no eclectic <laughs> right because i mean 
there is uh, step, stepping back there is a thread that which connects them all mm. but uh, in the moment and definitely over the years it was just kind of this thing and that thing and i just kind of went those different ways mm-hmm. yeah and so obviously when when i'm pursuing and trying out things which i'm totally stoked and excited to learn about mm-hmm. then there's a natural positivity that comes from that beautiful yeah so it's mm. a cultivation mm. of interest and of and being excited of like what's around the corner of inquiry of learning Mm -hmm. so you're involved in so many things um can you tell us how did you come to meet t how did i come to meet t well i suppose there's probably a two part to that answer i think there's the initial introduction um, which was, of course, always liking tea and just kind of all beverages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was in Ireland. I was living in one of the world's most haunted castles. <laughs> okay. And the former owner, Charleville Castle, shout out. <laughs> uh, and the former owners, British man, who would come back and sell antiques during the summertime. Uh, he was kicked out, right, because he was British, and then um, it was nationalized and stuff. But anyways, he was there. It was a really stuffy, kind of funny British guy. And he would invite me to, I guess you could say, high tea. So uh, it's this castle. It's, it was a restoration project. Um, but he would, in the afternoon, say, Samson, join me for tea. And so in this huge hall, in this big, beautiful castle, he would set up, like, a proper... Uh, British tea with all the silver and all the little platelets. We didn't have like the cakes and the snacks, but we had the saucers and everything. Mm-hmm. And he would, I would join him with, with tea. And so we would, I would go in and we would sit and in silence, wow. we would just sit and just like enjoy tea. Mm-hmm. And, and that happened every day? Uh, yeah, when we could. I was volunteering there. So um, uh-huh. what were you doing there? It was a restoration project with the castle. Uh-huh. So you were building like restoring the castle helping to restore yeah there was uh, an amazing man probably one of one of my heroes um dudley stewart um a four founder or forerunner in sustainability and establishing all sorts of amazing things uh starting wind power in ireland and across Uh um the world uh friends of lawrence of arabia and he's just amazing amazing man and this was back in what, 2002? No, not even 2003, 2004, maybe. And he was talking about sustainability and like it's the future and learn by do action learning. And he was um, having colleges come to the castle to, uh, as a part of an education, it was was a Troville Castle Quest College, they called it. It's not, no longer, it's it's not around, unfortunately. Um, But essentially like learn by doing using this castle as, as you know engineering and stuff like that anyways so i was i was there I was doing all sorts of stuff volunteering and um i was doing uh digital photography actually and that was headquarters it was in the old library mm-hmm. and they were editing pictures and stuff mm-hmm. but so the point is is like they were having tea there mm-hmm. and that is when i really fell in love with making space for tea mm-hmm. and so after that experience i really kept that with me to you know to try to have tea in the afternoon in just nature 
or and in silence and just to do not like stop everything mm-hmm. to just be with tea and enjoy tea. Uh, so that's kind of the first half. And then also I've had a meditation practice. Hmm. Um, and so I think maybe that's why I really enjoyed the tranquility and serenity that you get with tea and making space for tea and also the ceremonial aspect. I'm doing finger quotes right now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, uh, so I started doing that, making space, kind of having a little ritual, you could say. Yeah. And then doing that. And then it wasn't actually until I was having tea uh, with a brother, Dave Melodou. Uh, he and I lived in Bali. We played basketball together. He's doing traditional Chinese medicine out there. And he invited me over for tea. Mm-hmm. And so we would, you know, do bowl tea or leaves in a bowl or whatever. Uh-huh. We did it just uh, a few times, but we would have that sometimes before basketball practice or in lieu of basketball practice because mm-hmm. some of the guys started being jerks. So <laughs> it just kind of be less fun. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's kind of started doing that instead. So he was a Global Jihad member at that time? or Yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. In fact, he brought Wuda out to Bali. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was working in a fancy resort and convinced them to fly Wuda out to serve tea for Chinese New Year to the guests. Uh-huh. And then he said, hey, Samson, you know, Wuda, you know, this tea monk is coming. We're going to have tea at my house uh-huh. um, and you're invited. And it was just, it was just, I think, four or five of us, you know, it was pretty intimate. And then we had a tea ceremony, and that's when I met T, like mm. herself. Mm. Um, it was f- absolutely phenomenal, um, transcendent, inspiring, majestic, beautiful, breathtaking. I just can't say enough about having the honor and pleasure to truly meet a goddess Mm. to commune with her to feel her medicine Mm -hmm. and to have her very nurturingly take me by the hand and take me on a journey with her to to really share space with an angel which brought great healing to me Mm. and uh, it was very what do some people say uh psychedelic (laughs) you could say Mm -hmm. meaning that it was definitely Mm -hmm. otherworldly and not really explainable by words right I can try. (laughs) This is a podcast. Uh Essentially, I went on a journey and definitely the healing and the energy and the alignment and the harmony that I felt within myself, within my multidimensional self, not just my mind, not just like my body, not just my soul, not just my heart, but my, I don't know, my tendrils or whatever that that connects me with with everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, was enlivened and my chi and the nadis within the body and just everything was amazing. Anyway, she took me to, uh, I felt like, where she was living. Mm. Or this tea particularly. Mm-hmm. Like I got these very strong visions of this, this movement and flow of going you know, to the mountains and to um, see these trees. Mm-hmm. And the terrain... Um, 
and a funny thing that she told me was like, oh, and these are, um, and she showed me the other trees around her and was like, and these are my friends. This is where I live. This is where I'm from. And these are my friends. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it was, it was very visceral mm-hmm. and very vivid. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially after that tea ceremony, you know, I think maybe the last cup, you know, I just kind of put it, I was drinking it, of course, and then put it down and then just like looked up and was like brought back to reality, brought back to the space and saw Wuda. And then I was just like, sign me up, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it brings my meditation practice, uh, my connection to the divine um, and the interplay between like the divine and earth and ourselves and just, I don't know, it's just, I haven't found such great medicine, you know, um, and all my travels and stuff that, that, that this can do for me and I know for many, many other people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So that's how I met T. Beautiful. <laughs> Samson, you shared with me that your infectious optimism and your high spirited nature wasn't always at the forefront of your life. What changed that and how do you remember to remain that way as often as possible? The answer to that question is actually quite a story. Let's hear it. Well, <laughs> uh, in short, when I was 18 years old, I died. Mm. Um, <laughs> and came back to life. And that was kind of the big transformation. I guess I could explain that a little bit more. Please sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Prior to that experience, um, I was a very upset, hate-filled person. Mm. I was very uh, dark and, um, yeah, just negative. But more than that, um, I was addicted to the feeling of rage, um, of anger, of hatred, of scapegoating, of finger-pointing, of... Um, yeah, hate just coursed through my veins pretty much most of the time. Hmm. I had nightmares every night, a bloody, you know, uh, horrid nightmares of all the terrible stuff that, you know, people can do to each other. Um, and I never have seen like a horror movie. <laughs> I never really wanted any of that in my subconscious, but still it came out. Um, and oftentimes, though, it was in defense like a pretty common one nightmare that I had was someone hurting like an animal mm. and then me attacking that person mm. or maybe hurting me or my family and stuff. And so it was this kind of self-righteous, not really, but like excusable form of violence. But anyways, so it's very, 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 very dark. Um, and I definitely was on a, a terrible path. I was, a, I was, becoming acquainted with um, some people who were um, not good, you could say. And right around that time, I went down and visited my sister, who's living in another town, um, Tucson. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we went down there, and we slept on the floor and her house was definitely disgusting. Very, very disgusting. 
but what made it most disgusting, sorry, Summer, <laughs> it was, <laughs> that's my sister. Um, the, they had a big white, um, what is it? Like a husky, like a huge husky or an Akita, something bigger. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there's white hair coated everything. There mm-hmm. was like a thick carpet of this dog's white hair and dander mm-hmm. everywhere. And we go down there to see her just as like a road trip and something like that. And so my girlfriend and I slept on the floor. And I had had terrible asthma as a child growing mm. up. And it had kind of gone away, you know, as I kind of went to high school. Um, I still kept like an inhaler in my glove box of my car. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, actually, it was empty because I hadn't really used it and hadn't really noticed it. Because what happened is lying on the floor, I had a terrible, a terrible asthma attack. The worst asthma attack I had in that life. And I had for the majority of my childhood was deemed as a severe life-threatening asthma. Mm. In fact, hospitalized many times. I went to the World Research Center in Denver, um, spoke with like the world experts and stuff like that to try to get it under control. It's really bad asthma. But there he was and lying on the floor and in the middle of the night, which is where a lot of asthma attacks strike, um, it hit me hard, really, really, really hard. I woke up, couldn't breathe, told my sister, hey, you know, I can't really breathe right now. And just as happens with siblings, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they freak out. They say, oh, my gosh, like, don't tell mom. <laughs> 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 You're fine. <laughs> you can't breathe, but don't tell mom. Yeah, just don't tell mom. It's fine. <laughs> don't freak out. Don't freak out as they're freaking out. So essentially, uh, she did everything to try to stop the asthma attack that we could. You know, steaming peppermint and... and a uh, bunch of coffee, tried to get caffeine and blah, 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 blah. But essentially the the attack got worse and worse and worse. And she was panicking and, and, you know, going to the hospital, just, you know, as a sibling, like, you know, you'd have to be like, oh, okay, I'm responsible. Anyway, I don't, I don't blame her at all. Um, just panic and stuff. So it was really, really bad. Lips mm-hmm. turned blue, skin turned blue. And it lasted for a while. And essentially what happened is if you've ever had an asthma attack, um, it's actually the swelling of the lungs, mm-hmm. right? And so um, uh, it's just less and less and less ability to get air in and then also to use the oxygen that you do get in. Mm. So it just got worse and worse and worse and worse, worse until finally I went to breathe in and not even an atom of oxygen was able to get in it completely shut off after maybe two hours i don't know how long it was yeah probably two hours of just slowly slowly tightening and tightening tightening so oxygen was like gone Mm. pretty much and but that uh it was obviously amazing i'm lighting up now just thinking of it (laughs) because when i went to take in that breath and everything had sealed shut that is when uh, that was it. Boom. Done. Just like as if you were drowning and you're just taking a big deep breath of water, right? And the lungs fill with water and they're just like, okay, game over. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is it was like I felt simultaneously every cell in my body. It was so tight from from the asthma attack just everything is so tense right because you can't breathe so tense so tense so tense and then 
soon as I take try to go take that last breath and nothing is there, and then bam. It was like every cell in my body exploded in an orgasmic light. I felt as if my soul was being held to my body with every cell, like tiny little handcuffs. <laughs> okay. And then as every cell exploded with this orgasmic ecstasy, it is what released my being from this vessel. And and it was light too. It was kind of like little bubbles, sort of just like boom in a light. And then it was free. And then I felt as if I was going up and unifying with a light that was coming down, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just it was just there. But then here's the part that is a little foggy. Because um, it's now more, and definitely at the time as well, it was like a dream. Like, have you ever had like a dream that was really, really, really vivid? And then you wake up and you're like, oh, I had this crazy dream. And someone's like, oh, what was it? And you're like, you can't oh, remember. Ah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that. But I remember a few feelings. Remember the feelings, not the memories. And vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. But essentially what happened is I kind of went somewhere and I had a meeting. I met a being, maybe there's multiple beings, I don't know, but I definitely went somewhere. I spoke with this being entity that was bigger than me. Um, and I pretty much said like, wow, this is amazing. Like, uh, and they're like, yeah, you're going back. It's not your time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, but I want to remember this. Like, I want to remember this. This is amazing. Like, it was just whatever. And he's like, no, you can't remember it. Like, you're going back, and you're going to complete your life. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but this remember is like, no. Uh -uh. You're not allowed to remember it because it's that's not how this game is played. <laughs> Pretty much these feelings that I got. And then so after that, all of a sudden, I just like, just bam. Just like wake up. And because I'm in my body, just like a snap into existence. And where my body was lifeless, all of a sudden, just boom, my head shot up and I'm feeling great. Mm. Just like better than I've ever felt before. <laughs> just like, wow, like wow. I feel great. And then I'm like, hey, like, uh, you know, I kind of orient, just look around a little bit just because it feels so great. Like, whoa, cool. Hey. <laughs> and I look over and I see my sister and my girlfriend at the time just like collapse on each other sobbing. You know, wow. I might have been gone. I don't know, a minute, maybe two minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then so when you woke up, your asthma was gone, like you could breathe normally? Oh, 100%. What? My my life, yeah, 100, every, like, oh my gosh. health bar was full, like what? 110%. I felt so good. Everything was like in alignment. I was just feeling freaking great. And, and I look over, I'm like, hey, guys, or, you know, hey, what's up? And you know, this like crumbling you know, sobby mess of, you know, these two important women in my life. And they look over at me and they're like, ah, scream and just like lunge on me and give me this big hug. And they're freaking, oh my God, I thought you were dead. Ah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm great. I'm fine. Like, I feel great. You guys okay? Wow, I look really sad. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, and then after kind of that experience, within the next six months to a year, mm-hmm. I completely changed wow. to the exact opposite person that I was before and to the person I am now. Mm. However, I will say, though, that um, there's been a cult of, since then I've been cultivating myself mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, we talk, I think some of the questions about positivity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like, Obviously, it's life. We live in a very dense place. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of terrible stuff out there, a lot of negativity, a lot of unconscious people throwing your negativity at you. And so it's it's a determination and dedication that I have to cultivating the positivity. Mm-hmm. I just had the exceptional um, experience, the very, very, very lucky and fortunate experience to kind of have my light switch turned on. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the light bulb jiggled a little bit, Yeah, you know, to remind me. Um, to begin my spiritual journey, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lots of insights and stuff that I, that I learned um, about myself, about my internal landscape, my subconscious and stuff that I worked very, very thoroughly on. In fact, still do daily. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. and that was, um, whatever, 16 years ago or something. Yeah. So what does that look like, that cultivation? Um, well, I can't, uh, maybe it might be better if I told an insight sure. mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. because I was so negative and then began the spiritual journey. And I learned that when I was a child, my parents fought every night. I fell asleep since it probably I was, you know, a day old. They fought every night. I went to, went to them yelling at each other mm. every single night of my childhood. And being a, and sometimes, you know, it was really scary. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while they would, you know, things would break, right? They would like throw something and break something on the rare occasion. It wasn't, it wasn't any hitting, which is, you know, which is I'm really thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely it's very scary as a kid. And being a small child, a baby and an infant and, um, and being a very sensitive person. Um, very an empath, very empathetic, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of us are. It's just part of being human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just soaked all that up. I just soaked all that negativity and energy and, and mm-hmm. anger that was just as a sponge. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I went to a school that was very violent, uh, where I was the the victim of a lot of um, physical violence. Um, so anyways, there's a lot of really heavy stuff. And so as I got older and into high school, then all of a sudden hormones hit. Mm -hmm. And then there's all that internal stuff that I have, um, exponentially increased because I got all these hormones, Mm -hmm. you know, my testosterone is going through the roof actually because I was on a lot of asthma medication, Mm -hmm. steroids and stuff. Um, and then, you know, my best friend at the time, you know, stealing away the girl of my dreams, you know, like, or whatever, like a lot of heartbreak and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So it was compounding and it was really difficult. But what I learned though, is that where all this, I was tapping into this reservoir negativity that I held with me for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And that was the awareness that, that came, I guess, from this experience that like, oh, like if someone did something negative to me, or if I, if I'm angry about something right here and right now, it's actually just kind of 
an excuse, not even an excuse, but it taps into this, this vast reservoir of anger um, and darkness that, that I carry within. And so after I learned that, um, then it became my, my spiritual cultivation to uh, get rid of that. Mm-hmm. to to drain it and to 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 get rid of all of it and so um the awareness of of where all this negativity was coming from to become more self-aware was 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 quintessential for my own um cultivation of positivity practice mm, sure yeah yeah and then how would you say you you are able to drain it do you sit in meditation with that or how do you work on on that well Yeah, numero uno meditation, mm. right? Meditation is is the most important thing any human can do in order to influence, positively affect all areas of their life mm-hmm. and each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very very deep meditation. There was a there was a time, especially like back then, when there's a mantra I told myself, which was the most important thing in this life is my own spiritual cultivation. Mm-hmm. And so I made that a priority. And at the time, I was actually in a really difficult um, place. Well, I guess the meditation when I really started doing that, uh, like working full time and going to school full time, and had a relationship and had a band and burning the candle at both ends. Mm. Um, So it's really difficult. However, like I still, regardless of all that, you know, sometimes like when you get in a really difficult place, mm-hmm. you know, we, we search out and seek like mm-hmm. maybe some spiritual comfort or whatever. So I was having a kind of intensity. And so I was really focusing on um, meditating and clearing that out. Mm-hmm. So um, those, would you say that those difficulties and, and that those challenges actually led you to or helped you to... Uh, discover the the more spiritual side of life well i mean really really what did it was um you know just kind of getting awakening to having a spiritual life and then just exploring that as much mm-hmm. as i could mm-hmm. yeah i read all you know as many spiritual texts as i could uh you know went to every temple i could find and um Yeah, just just read endless self-help books and spiritual books and old stuff and new stuff and channeled material and just just everything I could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And with the meditation practice, I was able to, for me, like feel my truth, feel truth for me. Mm-hmm. So I could read whatever spiritual text and just clear as day it could be like, oh, this feels right. This is truthful for me. Uh, this is nonsense or like well i don't even agree with that at all Mm -hmm. and so i could kind of cherry pick i suppose um at that point in time tools and ideas um that could really help cultivate myself and really kind of kind of um eliminate all the anger that i carried with me uh there's a famous buddha well it's not a quote that's a quote uh sorry if i don't get it verbatim, but essentially someone asked the Buddha, like, why do you meditate? Do you get happy? Do you get lucky? Do you get, you know, joyous? And he said, well, it's, I don't meditate to get these things. I meditate to 
get rid of things. Mm-hmm. I, I meditate to get rid of anger, to, you know, essentially to empty the cup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's along the lines of kind of what he said. And so, so when I, a lot of the meditation that I had to do, a lot of the work that I had to do was to empty the cup, mm-hmm. to empty the cup, mm-hmm. to let go. Yeah, to let go, of course, forgive, doing forgiveness practices. One that really helped as well is visualization practice of going back to myself as a child Mm -hmm. and giving myself, visualizing, giving myself a big hug, just giving as much love as I can to that child Mm -hmm. that didn't deserve any of that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, to hug him, to tell him that I love him, and then to tell him like all the stuff I wish someone would have told me. And heal that inner child. Yeah. And be there for that inner child. Because, I mean, everything exists in the now. And so that inner child is within me right now. Hmm. You know, that nine-year-old that, you know, got beat down by a bunch of, like, teenagers, you know, and then peed on, you know, (laughs) and then accumulated, like, just Hmm. terrible, terrible things. Uh, That's with me now right even in this body like all my multi-dimensional self it's all like smashing together in this instant you know and all my photons and my <laughs> my quartz and bosons and stuff like that and so like i need to be there for him and be the best person i can be and to be healing and to be loving hmm. with all aspects of myself As, and then i hope i can be in a centered space like that and so when i interact with other people i can hopefully be in a space where i could help out Mm -hmm. because i'm simultaneously helping all my parts of myself as well Mm -hmm. yeah and this actually goes with maybe uh, a little bit of an awareness that came at the hut obviously we meditate a lot one that came to me very viscerally the other day was there's there's a phrase in spirituality that we are all one. And like we hear it and we read it all along, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's a mirror. I always hear that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's always been really hard for me to internalize. To know it with my mind, but not my heart. Uh-huh. But I think a better mantra that I've learned for me just recently is not that we are all one, but that... I am all of you, and you are all of me. You're just different versions of me. (laughs) And maybe we've all heard that, but it really snapped together. Mm -hmm. And then we're around the dinner table, or we don't have dinner. (laughs) (laughs) We're around the food circle place. We're all holding hands, and then kind of the voiceless voice that sometimes communicates with us said, uh, you're responsible for these people because they are you and so thinking that we're all one is really difficult but if i think like you you are me you're just you know an incarnation just as i was whatever uh, my soul chose to be incarnated as like a tiny japanese girl a thousand years ago (laughs) you know to to experience that or to be this or to be that you know we all pass. I do a lot of. Uh, I do past life regression. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolores Cannon's um, QHHT 
quantum healing hypnosis technique, which is past life regression, mm-hmm. which has also really helped. This, this is recently within the last, well, actually five, six years. Um, but that material has really helped me a lot. But uh, the soul and our spirit does not live linearly. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything exists in the now. So all those incarnations of, let's say I was a small Japanese girl, is also here. Mm-hmm. with me right now mm-hmm. and i am connected to her mm-hmm. just as i'm connected to all the other lifetimes right there's just but as we know there's just billions and in, uh, infinite information that happens all around us all the time mm-hmm. like our eyes can only see a very very small spectrum mm-hmm. right of the light that's available so all this stuff energetically is like with us it's just that we have to kind of snap it all together just like uh just like a quantum particle Mm-hmm. right where our attention goes is what snaps together mm-hmm. and there's like influence of all these other things so that kind of hit me that that i am you and that you are me just snapping you know on different timelines i guess but since time is all together you know it's all happening now so that felt really cool mm-hmm. to kind of be like okay i'm responsible for my inner my inner world and then as within, so without, as above, so below. So I can I can internalize that kind of importance of responsibility and really dedication and determination to bring more light to a very mm. dark world. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, to sort of elaborate on that, um, because you went through such a traumatic experience, um, it sort of allowed you to experience both ends of the spectrum of life in terms of um, coming from a really heavy, dark experience and then moving toward a very uplifting um, place in your life. Uh, Do you have any advice for anyone that might be struggling with orienting toward maybe a lighter state of being? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, a really great tool is to move to into neutrality. Mm-hmm. It's too much of an energetic leap to be what depressed and jump into happy. Mm-hmm, absolutely, you just can't. Mm-hmm. But you can't. I find that you can though cultivate getting into neutral. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say that doesn't mean numb. So I guess, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind is just first, first get neutral. You're like, if you're super bummed about something, like, let's go back and, you know, go back and get neutral. Mm-hmm. A friend, uh, a friend of mine, um, his brother just died mm-hmm. and he's having a very difficult time with that. But he did mention about coming back to the moment, you could say, coming back to, I guess to try to be neutral, to be like, okay, you know, obviously I have a big hole in my heart. My brother is dead, but I still have to move on or I still have to live my life. I'm going to go get, you know, a boba tea (laughs) and I'm going to get my favorite flavor Mm -hmm. and I'm going to um, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so, and he said that the little things, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, it are like all these little things. So if we do have these huge heavy things weighing us down um there are tiny little things which pull us up Mm. and focusing on those and giving 
more of our energy and time to those, I think can can help a lot. Also, there's a lot of perspective. Um, we get so lost in our own dramas mm-hmm. that we definitely lose perspective. Mm-hmm. And I know it's really difficult, obviously. It's really intense. But in order to like, but to like step out of that as best you can, because essentially like, you know, you're kind of in a, you're spiraling, the mind spirals. And so trying to, trying to snap out, snap out of it, like doing something really different and dramatic to try to help kind of snap out of it. Obviously that's really, really difficult when you're like depressed. The last thing that you want to do is go out with your best friends and have fun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 I'm not uh, trying to give any sort of advice for those who are like clinically depressed or anything like that, but um, uh, I'm just trying to think of, you know, things that have worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, One of yeah. the things that Wu has said lately that has uh, influenced me a lot, like how I orient towards uh, challenges and, and orient towards life in general, I think is, you know, getting out of the mindset that life is happening to me, but actually that the li- that life is happening for me. That was a big shift. Like when I heard that, mm. I was like, mm, yeah, you know, like if I even just contemplate contemplating on that helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. And just uh, it, what it does for me is uh, also helps me to not take things personally. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. So if a challenge arises or if I'm communicating with someone and uh, and something comes up and I feel like, oh, wow, like there's this strong conflict here or something. Then I can always like go back and and see that it's not about me, and I don't I don't need to take it personally. Oh, for sure. If it's interacting with someone else, I think that's that's much easier hmm. um, to to deal with uh, as the not being about you. Right? Mm-hmm. I think like sometimes people cut me off in traffic, and I can and I can step back and be like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna get angry. Maybe that person is rushing to the hospital. Right. I don't know. I don't know what their story is. So I'm just going to be neutral about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to be happy about it, but I can be neutral and just be like, you know what? I don't I don't really know the whole story. Yeah. You know? And also like I think an interesting thing is is about I think we we think a lot about what other people think of us. Mm-hmm. You know, or oh this person doesn't like me. Oh, I did this and messed it up. But the thing is we are so fully concentrated in our own life in our own worlds just lost in our own minds all mm-hmm. the time that really they, the people are not thinking about us they're too lost in their own stuff mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. so it's just like if someone yells at me you know for something yeah obviously i can be offended and initially i will because that's how we are socially conditioned actually mm-hmm. right is to respond with anger you know mirror neurons and stuff actually it's more yeah. of our physiology as well right but we can go into neutral and then just know that, and I know that the anger and stuff like that is not, com- it's coming from an internal place on their own. It's coming from their reservoir mm-hmm. that they are still cleaning, mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're just kind of throwing it at me. Mm. Um, and they say, misery loves company. You know, I don't, I don't need to join them. I can be neutral. And what best is hopefully I can be loving and I can be compassionate. You know, to to that pain that they're feeling, which is really hard. So if I can step out of this equation, right, of them like, oh, they're like attacking me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're not attacking me. They are, are they are in pain. Mm-hmm. They're expressing their their pain. pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're lashing out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it's maybe even very juvenile, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a kid pouting. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's actually a good tool that I've used as well. Is just to think of 
if you can think of someone and their anger and what they say and do to you and stuff like that. And you can, I say like level, level them down sort of, I know that sounds kind of bad, mm. but like their, their energetic and emotional maturity mm-hmm. level is, a, is, is in a place where they don't have it under control, mm-hmm. right? They haven't gained that wisdom and stuff to kind of temper their fire mm-hmm. and it's still blashing out. And you could say, okay, you know what? That's cool. Like, you know, you're, you're going through a lot, you're struggling through a lot and you're having a difficult time handling it. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I can come compassionate like that, that's great. But sometimes I can't. Sometimes obviously I get pissed off or mm-hmm. I get angry. And just like, you know what? You're just being a baby, but that's okay. You know, because I'm, you know, I can, it's easier to distance myself, you know, from, from that, from the energy happening at me, if I can kind of take it and just kind of push it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and then be able to step back and be like, okay, that's, you know, that's your issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what goes through your head. You're not, you're not talking about like verbally expressing that someone is a baby, huh? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that adds, that adds <laughs> the gasoline to the flame, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think first, if someone was going to be angry at me, I might be shocked first, mm-hmm. which is actually really good because from shock can go into neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I've, I've heard this thing, this, um, this thing that I really love is, uh, this is, imagine like you were a wearing blue shoes and you're walking down the road and someone from across the road looks at you and yells like, Hey, Hey, like, Hey, Mr. Orange shoes, your shoes are so stupid. And then they run over to you and they get in your face and you're like, Oh, your orange shoes. I hate your orange shoes. I hate anyone that wears orange shoes. You're so stupid. Right, and then you just like look down and you have blue shoes on, and you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> sorry, dude. Like you know, mm-hmm. and you can really not not be in that at all, mm-hmm. right? Because it's nothing to do with you. In fact, they're in their own like weird world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you. you got blue shoes. And they're yelling about orange shoes. Right. Yeah. So like, kind of using that story mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, I think of that a lot. Yeah. And when it comes to like people spouting like their own issues and stuff like that to kind of be in that space mm. yeah love that because a lot of the times we think that we have all the facts and mm-hmm. we, we know what's going on and then we lash out on other people but oftentimes we realize that uh, that actually the reason why we're lashing out might not even be the case like maybe we didn't know a detail or we were like completely wrong about the situation it was mm-hmm. just something that our, our mind came up with which can um come from a very um egoic space mm-hmm. when we do that And I think it also can come from a very conditioned space. Mm-hmm. I remember a long time ago, I had a really wonderful realization where I was driving around the road and someone flipped me off and immediately got angry. And I thought, but then I stopped and I was like, wait a second. Why is that my reaction to get angry? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm free. I can laugh at that. I can cry at that. Mm-hmm. I can have any emotional response to that. Mm-hmm. Or I can have none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also living in, I live in Bali. Um, I have kind of um, pretty much for the last like five, six years. And uh, when I first moved there, this reminds me, I saw a motorcycle crash. First, I'll say that the people of Bali, the Balinese people, probably the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that they travel, but really, I mean, if you like being happy and community and and honoring and culture and i mean just really are the best people indonesians as well uh man i love those 
beautiful Indonesian people, all the different cultures and stuff. But anyways, so the Balinese, um, so when it was in Bali, I saw a motorcycle accident and it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible one, right? It was just, but I was driving and it made that sound of a car accident, right? Uh-huh. It's like metal and plastic and clunking and, you know, my mind, I was like, oh, there's been an accident. Uh, what are they going to do? Do you, do they go to the side of the road? Are they going to call police? Like, is it like a thing? But it was right in front of me. They kind of T-boned each other a little bit, but they didn't really fully fall off their bike. But essentially yeah. what happened is they stopped. They looked down at their, they looked at themselves. They looked at their bike and saw that everything was fine. They looked at each other and saw each other was fine. And then they laughed. Wow. Gosh. And then they just drove away laughing. Mm-hmm. And my brain was like, I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. That if you're in an accident and everything's okay, that you can laugh. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so powerful. So, powerful. Mm-hmm. so then I this, it kind of woke me up to just how much I, and I think we all live on emotional reactions as opposed to emotional responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Reaction is it takes away your power, mm-hmm. but we can be in our own power as in first neutral. Right. And then respond in a in a really clear and um, intentional way. Mm. Yeah. For example, so if I'm in an accident, I think obviously my knee jerk reaction is to get pissed off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But then go into neutral be like wait a second let's do facts how am i am i any limbs missing you know is everything what's up what's the scenario um i you know controlled panic we say i do some uh wilderness first aid Mm -hmm. so just like boom just 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 get into straight line everything okay boom neutral okay everything's everything's fine i'm fine this say the scene is safe or let's get the safety boom is this person okay okay good now what is my emotional response I'm going to tap into my own power, my own, you know, my own self power and say, what do I choose to create emotionally out of this? Mm-hmm. I refuse to be uh, held captive by emotional conditioning mm-hmm. that society and culture and, you know, maybe even generations has instilled in me. Mm-hmm. But we do have that freedom. We're in the practice of, of liberation, right? Zen is a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Buddhism towards that liberation and so that's what this is what we practice and so mm. we have the opportunity to put our, our where the rubber meets the road if you will mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, to practice this mm-hmm. you know and it definitely takes very firm dedication yeah and i feel like a part of it is also viewing everything as our practice mm-hmm. whatever we're doing is our practice right not just sitting on the cushion no like we i feel like we sit on the cushion um to prepare uh-huh. <laughs> that's like the maintenance work mm-hmm. right you know i feel and and also my my own meditation practice yes i do the um the emptying emptying the cup right but also i kind of diverge maybe from from some things by doing my own filling of the cup mm-hmm. or really you could say maybe i'm reinforcing the cup of mm-hmm. the material it's made out of mm-hmm. right which is um, a meditation that came to me. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I felt, again, this voiceless voice. Mm-hmm. Very uh, lucky that sometimes I connect with my higher self in a very wonderful, um, 
frequency and, and clarity. And it gave me the meditation of breathing in. When you breathe in, uh, focusing on love. And breathing out, focusing on gratitude. Mm. And then just... And then visualization and emotions and using anything I can to snowball that energy. Mm. And then I find that it's actually one and the same. Mm-hmm. Right? Kind of meld them to meld them together. I breathe in life. Breathe in love. And it's the universe just giving all the plants and everything just giving me infinite support. Saying, live, Samson. Live. Here's all the oxygen. Here's... Here's all the different gases and stuff that we need in order to stay alive. I just want you to live infinite in abundance. You know, just just, just breathe. Just live. Mm-hmm. I love you. I want you to live. And that's what, you know, that's what life is, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's actually love. Mm-hmm. Um, so breathing in that love. And then also I can think of my mom or think of, mm-hmm. you know, really wonderful things in order to gear up. Or even things in the future. Just, you know, what, what is going to fill me most with love? When actually, when I go back to America, give my mom that hug when she's crying because <laughs> I just got off the plane. I haven't seen her in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to embrace that. I want to feel that real, real connection, you know, to my own divine being because that's what, you know, we recognize that in each other, um, that love. And so that's when I'm breathing in love, breathing in life, breathing in love, and breathing in that I've done that for all the cells in my body. I'm loving myself and all the cells saying, I want you to live. Mm-hmm. fingernail cell mm-hmm. i want you to live i'm loving you i'm giving you nourishing you what what, what i can do right now in this moment which is yeah. giving you breath breathing in love and then exhaling gratitude and then thanking the universe mm-hmm. thanking my body thanking everything that i have at least one more breath mm-hmm. that i had that breath on this planet mm-hmm. so cultivating that in and out in and out also wrote a rap song about it. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> is that available? It is platform? available on newearth.bandcamp.com. That's N-E-W, Earth. No, sorry. N-U, Earth. N-U, Earth. N-U, yeah. Because it's, uh, it's like hip-hop, so I try to make it a little cooler. Nice. Uh, based on that based on that rap. And there's also more raps about spirituality and positivity and, and um, homage to Gaia into the earth, into the divine feminine as well. There you go. When in the intro when we said multi talented, we weren't kidding. Yeah, this I've guy heard, is amazing. I've heard I've heard in the kitchen a few lines from these raps. They're quite <laughs> impressive, I must say. Thanks. Nice. So Samson, earlier you talked about meeting T as a goddess or having that experience. So that was really interesting. Um can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So um I do a lot of bowl tea, um, uh, primarily bowl tea. I'm, you know, going into gung fu for sure. Uh, but Wuda definitely said do bowl tea for a couple of years before, uh-huh. and, uh, at least to me, um, a while ago. So that means just drinking, putting leaves in a bowl and hot water or, or side handle? Side handle, well. sorry. Okay, yeah, sure. Side handle. Um, but, uh, you know, it's in the pot of side handle, so more medicinally, right? Yeah. It's kind of those lineages. But essentially, like, deep, deep, deep into meditation, deep, deep, deep into communion, right? Where it's just you and the leaf and the energy and the chi and, and everything. And in those spaces, um, not, not, not every time, you know, but definitely cultivating it and, you know, from meditating a lot and being in good places and definitely out in nature. Definitely, I find a sweet spot is 
by a by a magnificent tree near running water. Mm. I think mm. that's one of the most magical places that you can do tea. Mm-hmm. And then when you meditate, you can breathe in and then also hear the wind in the trees. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you can also hear the heartbeat of yourself and then matching that with the water. Mm. And then so you can unify with that tree and then with nature while you're using tea as a medicine to be in that place mm. anyway it's very very magical space but obviously that's not available all the time <laughs> but drink tea meat tea and um and i mentioned before about it's kind of can be quote-unquote psychedelic mm-hmm. meaning that um oftentimes i hear people say whoa that's like a, a, it's kind of like ayahuasca in fact, actually, sometimes they say it's a, it's more like an ayahuasca ceremony than drinking coffee when people like ask about tea and mm. a tea ceremony. Mm. I say because in the ayahuasca ceremony, right, you have this this plant, um, the vine of death, mm-hmm. <laughs> and ayahuasca, it's really common that ayahuasca herself will come to you, mm-hmm. you know, as you're tripping like crazy. And then she comes to you and has a message and da-da-da. In fact, what she does is grabs you by the throat and Mm -hmm. rips you into her dimension Mm -hmm. right and then you know does the medicine there but tea i feel is kind of the opposite of Mm -hmm. that where tea very gracefully and Mm -hmm. very compassionately um, takes a piece of her dimensional wisdom Mm -hmm. and brings it to us beautiful Mm -hmm. and then we can commune there and so she we can yeah, commune, as they say, like when you drink tea, we're not we're not a straw, we're mostly water. And so tea is mostly water. So when we drink that, we become tea, we commune, and then we can communicate as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel that sh- her magic powers <laughs> um, as a being is when I, when I work with her and when I serve her and when, when we have the sacred union together, um, she is willing to help heal me as much as I'm willing to help participate in my own healing process don't in order to heal myself and the more that i can open up to the healing mm-hmm. the more that she's willing to support that mm-hmm. and then bring harmony to mind body and spirit and then after a really thorough you know spiritual cultivation practice then i can meet her at other levels which um which are really really sacred and really really special Mm-hmm. So would you say that in some ways you can attribute your relationship with her to your perpetually positive attitude? Um, I think like Shen Nong called called tea right the emperor, mm-hmm. or the king of all, mm-hmm. king of all medicinal medicine, and I think the reason maybe he did that is because. I think what she does is bring harmony. Mm-hmm. And in Chinese medicine and yin yang and everything is about harmony and, and oftentimes we're out of we're we're unbalanced. Mm-hmm. You know, and also we're kind of really full of toxins. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the two things that cause disease, like inflammation, you know, from toxins and then also holding on to a lot of emotional stuff. So allowing that to kind of detox and to align, once we're in alignment, we're more able to express and channel in and to be in our divine alignment Mm. it's just as if um uh i don't know there's there's a there's a light shining and there's a bunch of different windows and they're all kind of crooked and then tea can kind of uh uh 
what is it? Stack the deck like a deck of cards. Just mm-hmm. put, put it all together, mm. right? And allow the light to shine like even stronger through. It's a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, yeah, like a deck of cards, right? Or but it's windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and you know, and they say that that tea um, traditionally what it did is it brightened the eyes. Mm. You know, eyes are the windows to the soul, mm-hmm. right? And so you could say by extension that that is what tea does. Is it lines us up in a more um, conducive manner to be more um, in harmony with our own divine and unique frequency mm. and light, which allows us to shine brighter through our eyes, of course, which is easy to see, but also in our being and then in our actions. And so here in the life of tea, that's we've we've all been very blessed if we're here um, to meet this divine healer who reconnects us with our own divine being which pulsates with the rhythm of the universe, which pulsates within the heart of Gaia herself, which is where we come from. And then we can go out into the world from cultivating ourselves to kind of help spread this light, Mm. help spread this love, help spread this compassion and nurturing, which is in every bowl that hopefully that we all serve to each other. Mm. And lastly, I feel like this podcast would not be complete if we did not have one of your famous jokes so please let us have it <laughs> okay well if i must <clears throat> why did the old lady fall into the well because she didn't see that well <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we're done <laughs> Thank you, Samson. Uh, our time for this time is, is up. So I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and, and your experiences with us, Samson. It's been truly a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you, Morgan, for being a good co-host of this <laughs> podcast. Thank you. And uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, I hope to meet you in the next episode of Life of Tea. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please help us to reach more people by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Your comments, likes, and shares will go a long way and are deeply appreciated. Another way to support this project and our free tea center here in Miali, Taiwan that you can come visit is to sign up for the free magazine that we publish every month. It covers all aspects of tea from processing and brewing techniques, history, lore, spirituality, and community. It also comes with a tin of beautiful, sustainably produced tea. To subscribe, go to globalteahut.org. If you would like more information on linear topics such as brewing techniques, feel free to check out our YouTube channel, also called Global Tea Hut.